what is it like to be a woman in the ministry? Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, just this regular Midwest girl trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And today I talk to my friend who is a mom, a wife, pastor, and recent author, Melissa Mashburn, as she shares with us the uniqueness of being a woman in ministry. Being in any occupation is going to be unique from the others, and ministry is no exception, and it is different depending on your gender. So let's take a listen as we chat with Melissa about the uniqueness of being a woman in ministry. Welcome back to the Unique On Purpose podcast, where we travel all the way back down to Kentucky with my friend Melissa. And you know what's funny, Melissa, is I had you on the podcast a year ago, and it came up in my memories, probably just like two, three weeks ago. And so now you're back because you have a new book that just came out. Congratulations, by the way. So first of all, let's let's say, let's say that. So congratulations. But uh, I do want to talk about the book. You're, you're a wife, you're a mom, you're a pastor, woman in ministry. And that's where really we're going today is that uniqueness of a woman in ministry. But first, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Obviously right now you, you reside in Kentucky, you were living in Orlando and now you're in Kentucky. So tell me a little bit about you. Yes. Well, thank you. Yes, that memory popped up for me uh, a couple weeks ago as well. And I was like, this is awesome. So thanks for having me back. Um, About me, let's see, I've been married to my best friend, Matt, for 29 and a half years. And every half counts. If you've been (laughs) married more than five minutes, you know that. Um, We have two amazing adult sons. Nick, he is 28, and his beautiful bride, our daughter-in-law, Ashley, and they live in Fort Lauderdale. And then we have another son, Bailey, and he is 26 and recently married this past July to our beautiful new daughter-in-law, Jules. And so they live in Kentucky. And that's actually uh, how we went from Miami, Fort Lauderdale to Orlando to now living in Kentucky is just to be closer to to family and and do something different and really just follow uh, where God was taking us. So it's been a, a unique adventure that's for sure and and one quite honestly my husband would tell you every day long that he never saw coming so that's uh made it interesting and awesome and a little scary if i'm quite honest it's Mm -hmm. a little scary at the same time Mm -hmm. and you oversee uh, a facebook group i I hate to call it a group because it sounds so like it's just this group but really you're kind of facilitating a community, really, of mm-hmm. ministry women. So it's called Ministry Chick, and that's the same name of your book. How did you get connected to that? That is actually a great story. And yes, thank you for telling about Ministry Chick. Yeah, it, a, a Facebook group just doesn't sound like enough because what it really is is a community of other women in ministry. Actually, we have 3,300 women from all over the world, from every job possible that you could imagine in ministry, which is very exciting, sharing and getting the resources and connections that they need to thrive. Mm -hmm. I got connected with that through Katie Cole, who is the founder of the group. Uh, She wrote a book called Developing Female Leaders a few years ago and realized that this was missing that this connection this this community was missing and and had women asking her about it and so she started the group 
Mm-hmm. And then I met her shortly after we we've crossed paths several times over the years. And then we met at exponential in, I think it was 2019 and just really can, I congratulated her on the book and we started talking. Well, next thing I know I'm in Chicago actually at a, at a conference and I get a call from Katie Cole and I'm like, I didn't give her my phone number. How did you get my phone number? <laughs> Stalker. Uh, and, I, yeah. Yeah, and I quickly left the, the conference breakout that I was in because I'm like, okay, why is Katie Cole calling me? And then we just had this really great conversation about I have this community about the, about that time it was running about 300 to 400 women and she said they really need a pastor shepherd to to kind of lead them. Uh, she said, this is something that's missing. Uh, I think you're the girl mm. and would you be interested? And I was like, yes, yes, that is exactly who God wired me to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny enough because at that time I literally had a conversation with my boss at the church that I was in in Orlando and said, I feel this call to women's ministry. I was director of weekend experience and I loved what I got to do, but I really missed women's ministry. And he's like, I just don't think that we can spare you to do that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I, and I said this, I was like, well, I feel God's calling me to this. If that's not here, he's going to make a way for me. And I just need you to be prepared that it's coming, not knowing it literally was coming in in a phone call from Katie Cole, like three weeks later. Um, and so that's really how it started is I got in and just started creating my whole goal in the beginning was to create community and conversation and that that's how it kind of started three to four hundred women to now we're 3300 women from all over the world and it's remarkable because there's there is such community and there is this network of encouragement and support and it really is a safe place for women to ask the questions that they need to ask but they maybe don't feel comfortable or safe enough to ask in the environment that they're in. Does right. that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. I get it. I was I was on staff as a pastor for quite a while, so I definitely understand what the challenges are, the questions that you want to ask that you're afraid to ask, and so to be able to have that place where you can go and actually have those conversations. Uh, so then, I, I'm assuming then through this group is what birthed the book ministry chick am i correct on that yes yes but that is actually not at all the book i sat down to write when i started writing it is not the book i started to write which is hilarious and so like god i literally for decades have spoke and talked and and always dreamed about writing a a girlfriend book like godly girlfriends and Mm -hmm. you know how you have them how you find them what to look for what not to look for all of those things and I sat down to write this book on basically what ended up being the the section on find your community on godly girlfriends and I just kept hitting a wall and I just could not figure out what was going on. And actually, it was a kick in the booty conversation with Katie, believe it or not, that was like, okay, you're trying to drive in this one thing. You need to come up like 30,000 feet and see that that God's given you a myriad of experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's what you should be talking about. And I was like, oh, that. And as soon as I shifted 
that perspective from I'm going to just keep driving home this one point and just opened it up, I started to see patterns of, of questions that were coming through. I started to see all these things that I learned the hard way. And, and then I was like, well, here's, here's the thing. This really is, and it turned into uh, a what to expect when you're a woman in the ministry. And so, you know, those what to expect when you're expecting and what to expect the toddler years yeah, and all that. Yeah. That was really the guide for it is things that I wish that I had known mm-hmm. when I jumped into ministry. And so that's where it ended up going. No, that's good. And as I was going through the book, I was sitting here going, man, I could have used this 10, 15 years ago because there is yeah. a lot when it comes to men and women in ministry, there are a lot of similarities, but there are a lot of differences. So similarities, meaning like, we always need to put our family first. You know, when I was going through ministry school, that was the big thing. You never put the ministry first. You always put your family before the ministry. And that always, um, so that was always in the front of my mind the whole time I was doing ministry, but there's like a lot of practical things in your Mm. book where you're talking about identity. You're talking, I mean, something about, uh, as simple as clothes, which sounds may sound silly to some people or maybe even superficial, but actually it's really important because there are certain things that women wear that may not be appropriate on stage, but is appropriate in every other day in life. I don't, I mean, there were times I went up on stage with leggings and I came down and my lead pastor's like, those leggings are see-through. Like you can't wear those on stage. Like I had no idea. Like when you were standing mm. next to each other, they're not see-through, but on stage they look yeah. at, and those are like those little things that you have to uh, think about that you never thought you had to think about. And that's what is uh, that you find a lot in your book because uh, you have the practical things, but then you also have real stories from real women, which I think is yeah. really neat too. And what made you want to, um, uh, put the real stories in your book. I wanted to have that specifically because I didn't want the book to be all about me and, or just my experience. Now Mm. I have a ton of experience and, and I've had, like I said, a myriad of experiences from church plant running 90 to my current church is over 40,000 a weekend. So I've had, you know, church plant to mega to super mega. I don't even know what you'd call that, but so I knew I had the experience and the different places to kind of rely on, but quite honestly, I I never wanted the book to be about me and just my experience. And that's where I I called in some favors and and asked. I I swung for the fence on some of those too, because some of those I'm like, only God could could orchestrate some of the women that I got in the book, actually all of them, because their, their stories are, are powerful and they're insightful and they're helpful and they're real. And more than anything, I wanted real. I didn't want this perfection of I've got it all figured out. I really wanted it to be something that was more like, I've been there, done that, tripped and fell on my face, picked myself up and just kept going. And, and that was the hope of these real ministry chick experience stories was is you can see they've fallen but they got back up and they and they stayed in the fight yeah and i and i'm just going to be selfish here and say i'm excited because i saw i'm in the book so i saw (laughs) i'm reading through and at the end you have quotes from different women in ministry and i was like hey that's my quote 
so <laughs> I was like, I made the book. So, um, but going back, let's just start at the beginning. What do you feel? And I know this is kind of a loaded question and is very broad. But what makes being a woman in ministry unique from men in ministry? Oh, I know. Is... <laughs> I know. So I'm like, <clears throat> oh, this is a little, yeah. Because you wrote this so book specifically can... for women in ministry. You know what I mean? So obviously there's a uniqueness there that men are not going to experience. And obviously there's uniqueness in men's ministry that women are not going yes. to experience. But this book is specifically yeah. for women, obviously, because it's something that women need. Yes, and I would say what's been, I'm going to take a little sidebar and just say what's been the most unexpected blessing about this whole thing is I am getting so many messages from men that are reading the book. I didn't see that coming. I mean, it says ministry chick. I'm telling you who the audience is in the title. I wrote this book as a woman for women to to learn from my mistakes. And honestly, the, the big thing out of it was I really wanted real practical solutions. I didn't want to just give this pie in the sky. That's why we have down the, in the, in the dirt, the, the, the tips at the end, the, the practical application points and stuff like that. I wanted it to be something that you could like read, learn from and apply immediately without having to sit and think about it. But having men come in and now I, I just got a message from a lead pastor yesterday that said he got the book because somebody on his staff recommended it and he's been reading it and he, his eyes have been opened by the unique challenges that his sisters in Christ deal with that he never even factored Mm. in. Um, And I think that's pretty unbelievable. I, yes, there are unique challenges for men and women in ministry. There are things that men have to look out for. And because my husband was in ministry, we did ministry together for 20 years. I've seen it. Mm -hmm. So I, I do appreciate and understand that there are other challenges that men deal with. But for women, I think that there's, there's so many other things that we do and are as women, whether it's whether it's mothers or daughters or aunts or grandmothers or whatever it is, that is just another layer. And so even when we go to work, when we come home, we're still working. We're just wearing a different hat. And that's really that whole first section of the book is the different, the different hats that we wear and the different things that we do and the different titles that we have all add into it. Yes. Men have that as well. But I think part of being a female is that nurturer part of us means that we're still carrying burdens in a different way. Plus, as women, we feel things differently. We see things differently. We are more emotive or in different ways. And so processing through all of that lens is going to look completely different than it does for men. Mm Mm-hmm. What were the men saying? I mean, where were they seeing the uniqueness? How were their eyes being opened? What are, what are they saying? You know, it's funny because I haven't, I, I've just got, I started reading your book or I picked up this book. Now, I, I do have a young man uh, in leadership in South Florida. He's in production and he's got females on his team and he has called me several times and just said, you know, how do I, how do I affirm 
and how do I lead women leaders and how do I help them, you know, step into their gifts. And now he's got the book and he's like, I bought them all the book and we're all going to read it together. And wow. I think just being aware that there are differences and you only know what you know. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You, yeah. you know what you know. So you don't factor in looking at things through somebody else's eyes and, until you read it or you hear about it, or you're able to have a real honest conversation about the unique challenges and things. And I'm sure that could be turned around and we could have a great conversation with men and and find out what the unique challenges are for them as well, that we quote unquote think we know, or we think we've seen, but we just don't know. Yeah. And and I'm glad you pointed that out because I think there are a lot, I, I've just met a lot of women in ministry who are kind of jaded and they have this idea that only women have ministry challenges and that men have some sort of male privilege and they don't have challenges in ministry. So I'm so glad that you acknowledge that because men do have challenges as well yeah. and women have them. They're just unique and different. But uh, I, I heard... Uh, one female pastor say it this way, the church needs a father voice and it needs a mother voice. And that's why it's mm-hmm. important to have both men and women on your staff, men and women speaking yeah. in your church. So because men and women are unique in ministry, there's also different uniquenesses as far as how people think, how do I word this, where people think women should be in the church and you tell this story i mean it's only like a chapter or two in about being hired in at a church and it was almost i almost felt like it was a bait and switch in a way when you got hired in they automatically said okay we can't call you pastor because Mm -hmm. you're a woman melissa can i just be honest like I'm reading your story and I'm going, oh, Melissa is a better woman than I am because you just sounded, <laughs> because you just seemed so humble and, and gracious about it where I would have been genuinely upset over that. And you yeah. were like you explained, like I've worked really hard to yes. go through school and be a credentialed minister and you're not going to call me what I am. But tell us a little uh-huh. bit about that story and what you were going through, because that is not uncommon. It really is not for women that get hired in in the church. That is not an uncommon story. So share that with me. No, it's not. And it, it was so hard because it, I had just got to this place in my ministry at the the congregation that I was at before that I was affirmed uh, and I was licensed as a pastor and I had, I was doing membership and, and beach baptisms and all of these other things. And then, and then to get called into an opportunity at another church. And at the time I remember being like, Nope, Nope, Nope. Mm-hmm. And because they honestly, they asked me, their whole goal was to ask me to do children's ministry. Mm-hmm. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with children's ministry. I've done it for, for decades. I just knew that that 
there are people that eat, live, breathe children's ministry, and that is how God wired them. I can go in and I can fix things and I can set up systems and build teams and do that, but I don't eat, live, breathe. I wasn't created to do children's ministry. I can do it. Um, So I was just like, no, no, I don't feel like God's calling me to that or whatever. So that's like a secondary layer to that whole conversation was I finally was, had this really long heart to heart with God. And he was like, really? Like, you're going to say no, because you don't want to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. let's really think about that, Melissa. And so I had a really long heart to heart with God. We were wrestling with children's ministry. And so then I finally was like, okay, God, not my will, but yours. And then he just kept reminding me that this is not my forever. It's my for now ministry. Yeah. Like I'm calling you to this for now. This is not what I want you to do forever, but for now still needed to get in there and fix this and build this. And that's what I want you to do. And so that's when I was like, okay, God, you got it. And so then I had said yes. And then that conversation came up. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Lord, you really just, just working on me here because that that was like a a next layer level heart in that whole thing it was like okay I'm I'm now going to be obedient and do this thing but now you're going to take away this that yeah, I you're going to so take it for. almost feels yeah everything that you worked so hard for is now in a sense gone yeah and the things that I thought that I was going to be doing I mean coming from like membership pastor and beach baptisms and all that back to kids ministry was already hard. Mm-hmm. I, I had already worked my way through the, the ladder and I was moving up and all these other things. So that was already hard. But then to take that away, that was when I really had that heart to heart with God and really realized it's not, he has called me to be a pastor shepherd, whether pastor is in my title, my official, I get paid for title or not. He still wired me that way. And so right. I can I can sit with that and still own that because that's who he created me to be, whether the church or the nonprofit or the organization I'm working for qualifies me as that. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it does. It's just for me to listen to that, to read that, it was a very hard pill to swallow because, I mean, you know me and my audience knows me. Like, I'm not this staunch feminist. I'm not even a staunch egalitarian. You know what I mean? I'm just like, be whatever God's called you to be, like whatever it is. And But for someone to say, I'm not going to call you pastor because you're female, like that's where I get angry. <laughs> and so that's why I'm reading your story going, oh my gosh, she is the most humble person on the planet. <laughs> like, she's not, God, she's not. That's God. That is really, because the Melissa part of me was like, oh no, he didn't. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. But, but God, and I'll always go back to those two words together, change everything. But God, but God was like, does it, does it matter? Does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? And I'm like, my flesh said, Yes, yes, it does. Yeah. Yes, and then then I started really going. No, it doesn't, mm-hmm. because I can still operate in this mode. I can still operate the way He created me uniquely to be, and still be a pastor shepherd without being called that. Yeah, yeah. I like how you said that it was your 
for now ministry. And I think that is important to whether you're male or female. I think that's important to point Mm -hmm. out because there are a lot of people that they feel as though they get into a specific ministry or just a job in general. And they feel like this is their forever job. But learning that, hey, no, God may call you to a place just for a season just to learn and grow because I did children's ministry for almost 10 years. Same thing. And I always knew I actually, I told my boss the day he hired me, I said, this is not my forever job. I just knew because like, just like you said, a few minutes ago, there are people that eat, sleep, breathe children's ministry. I was not that person, but I knew that God was calling me to children's ministry for that season. And right. tell me a little bit about that. The for I mean, do you run into that with women and men uh, that feel like if they get into a specific area that they have to do that area the rest of their life or that area just seems to define them? Mm. Ooh, yes. I think that's universal, mm-hmm. quite honestly. Maybe not so much with the, the younger generations, but coming, I'm a, I'm a Gen X, okay. and I would say, I would assume this is, would be for baby boomers as well that you kind of you you got a job and you stayed there forever and you just kind of did your thing mm-hmm. i know like my kids are millennials and that is not how they operate at okay. all and and i think there is huge freedom in that and that's really kind of what i've had to do i go into whatever ministry god's called me into and i try really hard to just keep my hands open because i've done this long enough 20 something years that i know it's not going to stay the same. I'm not going to have the same role. I'm not going to be doing the same thing. I'm not going to be stuck in this rut. I've just seen it too many times personally. And so I really, at this point, try to go in and say, okay, God, what do you have me to do now? What is my role here? And then even with that, keeping open hands, knowing this is probably not forever because that's not how he wired me. And so what is, what is it that I'm supposed to do? And for me, a lot of times it's, it's going in, setting up a a good foundation of systems and structure and building teams. And then generally what I end up doing is find somebody to take it over and replace myself. And so Mm -hmm. learning to be in the ministry with your hands open and go, okay, I've got a job to do. Mm-hmm. And knowing nothing is forever. I mean, you could go through the whole book of Ecclesiastes and and really take that to heart. Nothing is forever. And so I think when we can switch to, I'm going to be stuck in this to, okay, what has God uniquely gifted me with that I can do to come in and do a good work? Mm-hmm. Like if he has called me here, I'm going to come in and I'm going to do a good work. This is not what I want to do. And this is not what I want to do forever, but he has called me here. And he has called, I'm going to go to Esther. He's called me here for such a time as this. So I have work to do here. What is it, God, that you've, created me to do in this place and in this time show me what i got to do and then release me mm-hmm. and and that's terrifying the release me part because there <laughs> does come a time there does come a time that you're you just kind of like okay well this is this is working i've kind of got this is not what i wanted to do forever and i didn't want to get stuck here but i got a rhythm and i got a team and i got all the things just about when you start to get comfortable it's like and next right Yeah, it's time for you to learn and grow in another area. It's time for you to launch. Yeah, and I like how you said making sure that you're knowing where you're gifted at and using them where you're at because, okay, take go back to children's ministry, for example. Children may not be your jam, 
But what are you gifted at? And if that is creating teams, building up Mm -hmm. leaders, you can still do that in children's ministry, even if you're not good with kids, even if you're not passionate about kids. But if God's called you there, what are the gifts and talents that you have that you can pour into that ministry? So I think that's really good. Uh, Now I want to kind of go... I don't know if I say to the jugular a little bit, but this one is a, well, it it is a big one. And it's one of the chapters in your book and it's about being the only female at the table. Uh, Explain the table. I've heard, I've heard the term for quite a while, especially when it comes to females in ministry, explain the table. The table is the decision-making table. This is the, and it's not literally a table, but sometimes it is. But it's it's a small group of people that are making the decisions for the organization. And generally speaking, not always, but in the ones that I've been at, I have been one of maybe one or two women at the table that are making those decisions. And, and that means the direction of the organization as a whole like as far up as you can get in the organization is where the table is Mm -hmm. it's not there's layers of the organization and there's layers of the management but the table is generally as high as you can go in the business world that would be the c-suite in in ministry it could be like the directional leadership team or the cdt the central Team. I don't know what the central direction team, I think I've heard it called. So that's usually a core group of people anywhere from four to 10, maybe 12, mm-hmm. probably not 12, probably less than 10. Okay. So what happens, what makes it unique when you're the only female at the table? Well, it's, it's usually a very charged environment. It's usually um, alpha males in the room. They are the strong, get it done, driver type guys. Not always, but they're usually the ones in the room. And, and generally speaking, in those meetings, I always think of like iron sharpening iron. It, there's some friction and there's some hard conversations and there's some, not intimidation, but when people get passionate, they may yell or they may, their tone might be a little different. And so in those rooms, there are passionate and lively discussions. And as a woman, we don't always communicate that way. Um, We do at times. Yes, but we're not, not used to being in an environment unless you, unless you have like a bunch of brothers around and you just get it. Yeah. That's not, that wasn't the case for me. It was just me and my sister. So in a lot of times I'm in those, heated conversations that are healthy for growth and change and direction and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to be here. (laughs) I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. Like it's intimidating, but at the same time, it's, it's getting past that intimidation and realizing like you have a unique role and voice in that space that needs to be heard. Like if you've been invited to the table, you have a responsibility to step up and be a voice. And I would also say maybe even being a a proponent of bringing another female up to the table with Mm -hmm. you so that it's not just you, but you're also training and developing and opening up opportunities for another woman, but also so that there's a little bit of not safety, but comfort maybe is a better word Mm -hmm. with having another woman there. The, The challenge lies in the mix of people, the opportunity to bring another woman 
along and then also just as being the only woman not getting as Katie calls it I think she calls it queen bee syndrome like I've worked I've done all this I've, I'm I'm staking my claim and nobody is coming up behind me like I'm like just no gonna be here I'm coming gonna... up behind you is that what you mean? yes okay yes mm-hmm. like not making room for any other women because I'm the queen bee like okay. every other woman has to bow down to me that's not true and we know that but there are some queen bees that like will fight off other women that are trying to trying to make a mark and get to the table Mm -hmm. so but but at the same time being a woman at the table there are different things that you are uniquely aware of that you need to say especially when you consider over 50 percent of the church over 50 percent of the congregation is female so sitting in a room that is all male that is driving the the conversation and the direction for the for the congregation and or the weekend and or the announcements or whatever it is needs to have somebody saying okay we need we need a female representative we need to okay be aware of we don't want to be doing a big fundraising thing on that sunday because that's actually president's day weekend and people go out of town like there's just different things that we're aware of based off a family calendar or long school calendar well we're relational plus we're most of the time the one in charge of the kids school calendar Yeah. yeah So we know the ebb and flow, and let's face it, ministry ties along tight with yes. the schedule. And yes. so being aware of those fall breaks, like we have fall breaks in Kentucky. We didn't have fall breaks in in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, or Orlando. So being aware, like the weekend before and the weekend after, that is not a good initiative time. That is mm-hmm. not a good time. Or it's going to be a time we're going to have hard time getting volunteers because they're traveling or whatever Mm -hmm. so knowing those things not that the guys didn't know that it just may not even come to the to the top of the bubble of oh wait yeah wait no we shouldn't probably do that because or have we thought about this and Mm -hmm. here's a good example recently i was i was watching a meeting and it was about um the weekend planning and it was all guys and I, I, I said, hey, I don't want to be the person in this meeting. I, I've got enough to do, but I really think you're missing an opportunity by not having a female in the room yeah. to talk about the week, the weekend planning, mm-hmm. because we need to be aware of the fact that we're only putting dudes up there, or we're only, we're only having guys do communion, or we're only having guys do announcements or a prayer or whatever. And so it looks, it looks like from the outside looking in that women don't have a leadership opportunity here. And that's right. not true. Right. And so it's, I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I think that's important to it's, it's men and women. We have to be able to work together yes. to be able to, to, to say the hard things, but speak the truth in love because we all want the same thing. We want our, we want our community to, to know why we're doing what we're doing and why that makes a difference. And, and like you said, ha- we, we need to be working together. And I think that there is that perception out there that if a woman wants to be in ministry or if she wants to be at the table, that she is expecting the whole church to turn into just the women's church where all the leadership is women and this and that and that we're trying to take yeah. over. And that's that's not it at all. But just like you said, 60 percent of those sitting in your congregation are women. 
and you need to have more of a female voice yes you need you need that father voice but you also need Mm -hmm. that that female voice i want to go back to the queen bee thing a second do you find that women who maybe are at the table would get jealous of other women coming to the table if they've say they've been the only woman at the table for so long and then another woman comes in do you find that there's some jealousy that can happen oh my goodness yes and i think if we're honest we might all feel that Mm -hmm. on some level Mm -hmm. and i think that's where we really have to check ourselves and our motives and say you know wait a minute no this is a I don't, I don't want all of this resting on my shoulders. I think initially we probably all do in some way. I don't think that we would admit that easily, and I don't think that we'd like that readily. But on some level, we, we're like, oh, is there room for two? There's always room for more. There's always right. room for more. And if it's not, then maybe that's not where you should be anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think that gives you an opportunity to really kind of go, well, well, we need we need to be together i'll go back to this and just say i don't think um i, I don't think that i'm not a, a, against men and i'm i'm for women but i'm for men and women together i yes. think I, I wouldn't say that i'm i'm one way or the other i would say i'm really like can we can we have the conversation and 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 like i said speak the truth in love and really realize that we do need to work together and when we do work together we are working in harmony as we should be and everybody wins Mm -hmm. and i have found that if there's only one woman at the table filled with guys there's almost a sense of pride there I mean, you could, well, I guess you could go two ways. You could kind of be insecure. Okay, I'm the only woman. It would be nice if there were other women that we could champion each other on. But then there's the other side that says, uh, I really like this. I like being the only female. I like the attention of being the only female. So then when that that other woman comes in at the table, it could add that friction. And you're right. You have to sit back and go, okay, I can't do everything as much as I would like to pretend that I can do everything, but I need to share that. And I think that's a humbling moment. And I'm just going to speak from experience for me personally. I think I would struggle with that. And that's something that I would have to really lay down and uh, check my pride on for sure. What about being the female token? Tell me a little bit about that. This is, well, the the token female, it kind of goes along with being the only woman at the table or whatever. It's like, okay, well, we know we need to do better, so we're going to have one woman. Mm. And so, and I think the difference is is being at the table and being heard at the table. Like, there's there's a difference with, I've been invited to the table, but there's, there's the next level to that is having a voice at the table where your voice is heard. And so being a token female, you know, I really look at a lot of my, my friends and ministry partners over the years, and, and we've had some really interesting and fruitful, messy conversations um, with some of my, my friends that are, are black and some of my friends that are Latina and some of my friends that are just mixed. And they're, they're like, I, I don't represent the entire organization i don't represent the entire race and at the same time there's the difference with being a token female is like okay well we know we have to have a woman or we know we have to have 
a black woman, or we know we need this, or whatever. But then inviting them into the conversation is the next mm-hmm. level, giving them a voice, not just a seat yeah. at the table, but a voice mm-hmm. at the table where they can really affect change. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend of mine, and I I won't say who it is or what church, but she came from a very uh, prominent mega church in the United States. And a few years ago, they ordained their first female, like three female ministers, something like that. And so I texted her and I said, oh, my gosh, your former church just for the first time ordained these women. That's really neat. And she goes, yeah, not really. They're just tokens. Like, they really are not necessarily for women in ministry they were just kind of doing it for looks and i thought oh my gosh that's so Mm. sad and that's that's not what jesus would do you know jesus didn't do things for looks right yeah he did it because of what the holy spirit wanted the book is Mm -hmm. called ministry chick finding your community own your leadership and take your step and there's a lot of practical advice a lot of tips and it's just like the title says, Ministry Chick, you're not specifically talking to women pastors or pastor's wives. You actually address all of them. And, and that's what I liked is that you addressed everybody because I personally, when I was in, I mean, I'm still in ministry, but I'm in broadcasting ministry yeah. right now. I'm um, There's a part of me that misses pastoral ministry. And I feel that maybe God would put me back in pastoral ministry. But I just remember feeling alone in a sense, not because Mm. I was a female in ministry, but because my husband wasn't, I was a Mm. pastor. My husband wasn't. And most of the women I talked to, if, if they were, they were, well, one, they were either pastor's wives. So there was a lot of ministry, uh, towards them, which is great. You need ministry towards, towards pastor's wives. They go through a lot. They need that ministry. And if there were female pastors, their husbands were pastors as well. And so I kind of felt like the anomaly of I'm the pastor. My husband works a secular job. And though, yes, he's the leader of our home, there was a lot of confusion. I mean, people would go, well, who's the leader of your home? And I'm like, well, (laughs) one, we work together. And second, he is like just because I work as a pastor doesn't mean that I wear the yeah. pants of the family, right? And right. so I, I had a really hard time finding other women whose husbands, I mean, I did. I did eventually find some women that their husbands worked secular jobs, they were pastors. And so I was able to connect with them and talk with them and, and have that relationship in that community. But I was just so glad that you put that in the book because there are those women out there and they're wondering, okay, is there a place for me? when it comes to women's ministry. Uh, is there, before we close, is there anything else that you would like to share or any advice that you would like to give that woman in ministry out there as far as their uniqueness of being the only woman at the table or just being that mother voice in the church world? Yeah, wow. I I think just even going back to what you were saying, the, that whole section on being married in the ministry was birthed out of just learning from, you know, I was in ministry, my husband was in ministry, we were both pastors, I did that for a season, he's no longer in the ministry, he's in a marketplace secular job, and I'm in the ministry, and so this has been the first season of learning how to even navigate that, and now realizing this is a bigger group of women that 
their husbands are not in the ministry and and now they're not you know they don't have like pastors husbands groups and right. although that is something that is something i have been talking to with a couple of people believe it or not my husband would have loved something like that <laughs> right yeah right just some kind of things like that but even you know the different layers of that i remember not fitting in in either group because not only was i a pastor i was a pastor's wife not only was i one of the pastor's wives but i was on staff and i worked with their husbands so it, it was just i remember just feeling completely isolated and alone and not really fitting in either world if if that makes sense so yes. the the heart behind that was to really say I have some experience in both. I don't completely get it, but I know that we're not alone. And that's, that was really the, the heart behind even like those chick chats, which is where you are. It's like real life practical advice on, on each specific topic. Like, here's what we do. Here's what we do. This, uh, I've tried this. This works. That didn't work. Whatever. And so I, I think more than anything, what I would love women to hear is you're not alone. Yeah, ministry is is messy and complicated, but it's marvelous and wonderful, and it's awe inspiring. And we just, I think, more than anything, what I I want women to know is we need you. We need you to step up. We need you to, like I said, find your community. You need a tribe. You need other women that are going to come alongside you and and go on this journey with you. You need to own your leadership. There's parts of that 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 it's up to us to to dig in on. And what do I need to to develop? What do I need to grow? What do I need to work on personally or professionally? And then take that step. Um, And you and I talk about this and we've talked about it a lot. Like, do it afraid. He says that he will be with you. And so if you know that and you believe that, just take the step and and do it afraid because he will sustain you. He will carry you and he will guide you. But we need strong female leaders to to step up and lead well in this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you're feeling that calling, go for it. As hard as it's going to be, as as I'm sure there's going to you're going to run into people that say, I don't agree with what you're doing because they take specific scriptures out of context and um, ignoring all the other scriptures that are pro women in ministry. You know what I mean? Like do it, do it anyway and do it not being a victim. And I think that's why I've enjoyed our conversations so much, because you are this woman in ministry and you've broken through a lot of certain barriers, but you don't see yourself as this victim. And that's mm. that's a trap that I see with women in ministry is some, well, I'm the only female or men hate me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and you're yeah. not like that. And that's why I enjoy having conversations with you. You, you know what God's called you to do. And you're just going to do it no matter what anybody else yeah. says. And like you said, do it afraid. I think I saw a meme the other day and it said, be brave enough to suck at something new. <laughs> yes. Know, like, yes. Just yes. do it. Just do it. You know, and, so that's how we know that we're still learning and growing. I don't want to be stagnant. Yeah. I don't want to stop. I know that he's still got work for me to do. And so yes. if, if I'm alive, then I still have work that I'm supposed to be doing and, and I'm not going to do it perfectly. And I'm going to fall short of his standards, but I'm going to keep trying and I'll just, I'm like that little punching doll. Like I get punched and I do get punched. I have been sucker punched, yeah. not physically, but by, by things. And I, that was the goal of the book was learn from all of my mistakes. Cause I made mm. a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just have decided to just persevere and I just get right back up. I might cry. I'm going to cry. I'm, I'm going to cry. Mm-hmm. I might cry, but I'm going to dust myself off and I'm going to be like, okay, God, let's go again. 
Right. Let's, let's go. We've got stuff to do. Yes. Yes. And it's almost kind of, in a sense, a fairy godmother book. You're being our fairy godmother and sharing with us in a few hundred pages. Hey, learn from me. Don't do what I did, but do these. Yes. This is what's biblical. Uh, ministry check, finding your community, own your leadership, take your step. I will make sure that I put the link in the show notes. Can they, they get it? They can get it on Amazon. Is it on your website as well? Yes, it's on melissamashburn.com. It's on ministrychickbook.com and Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Amazon, wherever you get your books. And also, if you are a woman in ministry, I would love to invite you to join the Ministry Chick Facebook community. It's a group, yes, but it's more than that. It's it's a community where you can find the resources and connections that you need to thrive as a female leader in the church. Awesome. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for sharing with us. And when you write a book... It's your heart on paper, and that's exactly what you did. You put your heart, yeah. you put your your experience on paper for others to learn, and that is our job, not just as women in ministry, but just as human beings. You know, the Bible calls yeah. us as women to train up the younger generation, yeah. and that's exactly what you're doing through a few hundred pages in a book. So thank you so much, Melissa, for being here. Thank you so much, Rachel. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Unique on Purpose podcast. And a huge thank you to Melissa for just being vulnerable and sharing her stories of being that woman in ministry. And if that is you today, I highly recommend that you get her book, Ministry Chick. I will put the link in the show notes and make sure you give Melissa Mashburn a follow. Unique on Purpose is available on iTunes as well as Spotify. And don't forget to share download and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you right back here next week.